Hello my friends and welcome to yet another book review. This is not a Star Wars Legends book review. This is probably going to go on my Patreon for the time being and then I am likely to release it on the main feed as a run up to Ahsoka but we shall see. But friends I am reviewing the second book in the Canon Thrawn trilogy. It is called Thrawn Alliances. I will give a quick bit of information about the first Thrawn book as well in a moment but to clarify the details I'll give in this I'm going to give my spoiler free thoughts and then I'll give my spoilery thoughts and then I'll give a plot overview of just what actually happens in there so a bit of background information so any fans of Star Wars comics and canon which I assume is the majority of people listening to this will know that I tackled the comic adaptation of the Thrawn book which I believe the adaptation was done by Jodie Hauser. It was six issues. I read it a little while ago after seeing Thrawn in Star Wars Rebels, as I'm sure many people did. I know obviously he originated from the Heir to the Empire trilogy in Legends, but I think for a lot of the newer generation of Star Wars fans, or the ones who didn't read much Legends material, Thrawn in Rebels was the first time they ever saw him. So, I read the Thrawn uh, comic adaptation, and I honestly wasn't a fan. Um, I just didn't find it very interesting. For me, it just kind of told the story of Thrawn going up the ranks, which I didn't actually really care about. And it was like, oh, he's smart. And I was like, yeah, I, I'm not really fussed about that. I find that the book itself, and I listened to the audiobook, you know, I listened to the audiobook of Thrawn, and I listened to the audiobook of Thrawn Alliances, and I'm moving on to Thrawn Treason shortly as well. So that's the, it's just called the Thrawn Trilogy. It's by Timothy Zahn, who also wrote the Heir to the Empire trilogy, who also created Thrawn as a character, who also wrote the Thrawn Ascendancy trilogy, which is the second Thrawn trilogy as well. So lots and lots of Thrawn content. But with the Thrawn novels, I thoroughly enjoyed the Thrawn audiobook. Uh, so I was listening to that. It was narrated by Mark Thompson, who's done like over 40 Star Wars audiobooks. And I really, really enjoyed it. The first Thrawn novel, I think it came out in 2016 or 2017. I think it was 2017. I thoroughly enjoyed that audiobook. You get a lot more information about Eli Vanto. You get a lot more of his perspective. And I think the book, because you get a lot more from Thrawn's perspective, when he looks at certain characters, what he perceives in the characters, how his mind kind of works, along with Eli Vanto and how he perceives Thrawn and how the rest of the Empire and other characters just perceive Thrawn as well I found it to be really really interesting and Timothy Zorn obviously is a very talented writer everyone knows that because obviously he not quite single-handedly kickstarted Legends but the Heir to the Empire trilogy was definitely amidst the first Legends books that really contributed to the extended universe the expanded universe that became Legends obviously Splinter of the Mind's Eye by Alan Foster I think was technically the first Legends book because that came out before even Empire Strikes Back came out uh, and then there was the you know Star Wars comics and those sorts of things but you know Heir to the Empire is considered one of the big reasons for Legends kicking off and obviously Thrawn being the main antagonist in that means that Thrawn has always been a character held in very high regard by Legends fans and obviously because of Rebels, Canons fans alike. Now the reason I mentioned about Thor uh, Timothy Zorn being a talented writer is because I think he already knew he was doing a trilogy when he wrote the first Thrawn book, but in the first Thrawn book, Thrawn has an interaction with Palpatine and Palpatine mentions that Anakin met him. And then the second book, Alliances, which is the main one I'm going to be talking about, that actually is where they meet. So the first Thrawn book, really recommend that. If you didn't like the comic adaptation like I did, pick up the book or listen to the audiobook. Hugely recommend it. Mark Thompson, as always, does a fantastic job. And also Mark Thompson, I believe he narrated the original Heir to the Empire Legends books, which I will be delving into when I finish this Thrawn trilogy. But since Rebels came out and 
Lars Mikkelsen voice Thrawn. Mark Thompson in the Legends trilogy had a different voice for Thrawn because obviously no one had voiced Thrawn before, but in the new Thrawn trilogies, Mark Thompson has more so mimicked Lars Mikkelsen's version of Thrawn, which is really cool. So he does sound quite a lot like he does in Rebels, and after a little while of listening to him, in your mind, it just sounds the same. I'm sure as I'm re-watching Rebels at the moment, obviously check out Rebels Reviewed. Uh, episode 1 of that is out, which is tackling Season 1. By the time this comes out, I assume Season 2 will be out as well, because I think I'm recording that next week. So um, Thrawn obviously appears, I think, around series three off the top of my head or the end of series two um but thrown in that is amazing and so i'm very excited about that and very minor spoiler reveal for ahsoka i know that most of you would already know this but i know a couple of you people who avoid spoilers and stuff and don't watch trailers so just quick spoiler warning thrawn is going to be appearing in the ahsoka series uh, we don't know how much it's probably only going to be a small role here and there but obviously thrawn was mentioned in mandalorian series 2 in the episode with ahsoka so it's going to be an inevitability he's going to pop up eventually um, and that's all i'll say about that i was about to say something else about rebels but we won't delve into that but Thrawn, the first book, really enjoyed it. You actually, you know, you see Thrawn got the ranks, and I found it far more interesting than I when reading the comics. And I really appreciated seeing all the different people looking at Thrawn in that way. Now, Thrawn Alliances is set after that. It's actually got two concurrent storylines going on. So you've got like a flashback story, which is going on towards the tail end of the Clone Wars. And then you've got the modern story, which takes place after Thrawn shows up in Star Wars Rebels, but before the series finale of Rebels. Now, the sort of now story in air quotes is about Thrawn and interacting with Vader. He gets sent off, Palpatine sends off Vader and Thrawn on a mission to go and check out a disturbance in the Force. And then the flashback story is showing how Thrawn met Anakin and the story that they have together and Padme is also involved. Now I really, really enjoyed Thrawn Alliances. I think I enjoyed Thrawn a bit more, the first one. Um, like the flashback I, I do like the flashbacks but I also don't like the flashbacks at the same time it's kind of a hard one I do like it because the th the flashbacks are specifically there to show lines like draw parallels between Thrawn with Anakin and Thrawn with Vader and how clever Thrawn is obviously and then there is a connective tissue between what's going on in the past and what's going on in the present as well and so those connections are really interesting but I do often find with books that are half set in one time period and half set in another time period you to kind of to make twists and turns happen plot wise you do end up in my view losing a bit of the dramatic tension because when you get this although they do finish action scenes it's kind of like oh i can't wait to see what happens next there's like oh here's a flashback and it's like okay now i have to change gear again to go back into being excited for this other storyline that's going on to then change gear to go forward now i know star wars historically does do that they do it in the series and they do it in the movies quite a lot but obviously when you're watching it on screen it's slightly different i find and although on screen they don't always do it amazingly i think on screen they do generally stick to big action set pieces in a better way for the most part um even in the original trilogy i think there are times where i'm like oh i forgot that you know the end of return of the jedi as much as i love it you have to have like the end points of han and the crew on endor uh, i think pathfinder is what they're called um when you have them on endor doing stuff and like the crescendo of their struggle mixing with the crescendo of luke and palpatine and vader it does work story-wise it's very good filmmaking but there are po points where i'm like oh when i rewatch star wars and I'm like, oh i can't wait to see this battle and i'm like oh yeah the the luke vader battle doesn't happen in like one shot 
it happened or one scene it actually happens like over three or four scenes that are kind of split up between it um not that i'm saying that's a big problem not criticizing it necessarily i'm just saying for me personally i quite like seeing a whole action scene drawn out even if narratively it does work quite well but with that in mind i really enjoyed alliances because also you don't in thrawn you get a lot of the empire hating on thrawn because he's he's you know he's an alien and the empire are quite racist you know that's one of the big parallels that lucas wanted to draw you know the fascism element and uh, colonialism element and so that's why there's not really any aliens in the empire that's why all the stormtroopers are pretty much humans things like that so i did like the um when you get thrown and things uh in the first book just everyone just hates him because he's going up really quickly and you get struggles but you're getting like politically speaking i liked him narrative wise in the first book having to evade not quite evade politics but navigate through the political landscape and that's how uh, governor price gets involved in things and how eli vanto becomes helpful to him because it's not just you in the empire and in a lot of places it's not just good enough to be good at your job you have to like say the right things to your superiors and do the right things and you've got to follow protocol and that sort of thing and Thrawn doesn't really do that and for most other people that would destroy a career but he is so clever and he is so efficient and every time he decides to do something that goes against the grain it works out so well because of the help from people like Admiral Yularen and to a degree Grand Moff Tarkin towards the end of the book and he does get favor with Palpatine as well because of those people he basically gets to evade these potential hurdles in the landscape because of the results that he brings forward in alliances he's already a grand admiral he's already as high as he can be he's got his own ship the chimera which we see in rebels and he gets to the end of the thrawn book and he has subordinates under him who realize his genius and want to really learn from him not dissimilar to how eli vanto started acting around thrawn at a certain point in the first book so thrawn alliances it's a really really great book if i had to rate thrawn the first book i'd probably give it a solid 8 out of 10 it's a cool book but it suffers unfortunately from something i often complain about which is prequel syndrome which is i know the fate of thrawn i'm not going to say it because you want to watch what well, i say i know to a degree of the fate of thrawn because you want to watch rebels to find out i know certain listeners and i know that math who is one of the co-hosts of rebels reviewed along with me and dave he doesn't know so math if you're listening i don't want it getting spoiled for you um but with Thrawn, we know to a degree where his story goes after these books. So these are kind of gap-filling, and nothing against Timothy Zorn, that was like, you know, the mission objective, but narrative-wise, that takes off a degree of tension. And obviously, because I'd read the comics, I already knew a little bit as well, but aside from that, I just think it's a really, really solid Star Wars book. I know a lot of people go on about it and say it's one of the best books in the canon, I think it's probably one of the best written books in the canon. I don't think it's one of the best books in the canon because for me, I really like unique books. I like books like The Force Collector, like Lost Stars, like The High Republic, or some of the Legends books, you know, like the Darth Bane books. You know, I love Darth Plagueis, don't get me wrong, that book is fantastic because you get to find out about Plagueis and things. But again, it's a prequel, so you know a lot of the story beats. And although a lot of people listening are probably going, you can't just hold that against the book. It's like, I'm not holding it against a book for being a prequel because obviously i like the star wars prequels you know i'm a big fan of revenge of the sith and we know how that ends but i just find that when you do prequels narrative wise you do write yourself into a corner you take away dramatic tension and if thrawn is in a ship with another person and it starts getting attacked you know in that scene that that other person is almost certainly going to live at least in that scene because you can't destroy something that thrawn is inside because he would die 
You know, you know that from Rebels, he doesn't have any major face scars. He's not missing any limbs. So you just know that there's only a certain amount that can actually happen to him. Now, Thrawn, now Timothy Zorn writes around that very, very well, both in Alliances and in the original Thrawn book. But yeah, I think Thrawn one, I'd probably give it an eight, maybe eight and a half at a push. But I'd say that's where it goes. A really, really solid, great canon book. Um, I've heard the Ascendancy trilogy is even better because there's a lot more characters and it's a lot more far removed. And Thrawn is the only character you know about. But I'll delve into that in the future when I delve into the Ascendancy trilogy. So, moving on to Alliances. I think I'd give Alliances... Okay, if I give Thrawn the first book an 8.5, I'd then give Thrawn Alliances an 8. Or I'd give... Thrawn Alliance, I think seven and a half might be a bit harsh for Thrawn Alliances, but it's between seven and a half and an eight. Now, I really like the writing of it. I, I like there's a lot of elements where with Anakin he gets something which is double vision. I, I feel like I've heard that before. I don't know if Zahn wrote it in the Legends books or if it's been used elsewhere, but it's basically like the force telling you stuff. So Anakin would be like double vision, blaster coming for a chest, uh, sweeping leg kick, uh, thing about hitting me in the head and then he reacts to those things because the double vision is kind of on the force and you get that with Vader and I know in some of the Legends books like I think Matthew Stover's Revenge of the Sith book and subsequently the uh, Dark Heart of the Sith or Dark Lord of the Sith or something like that it's like a sequel to Revenge of the Sith and it's all about Vader kind of getting more used to being in the suit and stuff I know a lot of those um, a lot of that content does delve into the Anakin-Vader split quite well and I think that uh, Zahn really works well when he writes Thrawn Alliances I like that when Vader refers to Anakin he refers to the Jedi and I really like these kind of parallels that get drawn and that although Vader does view himself as someone separate to Anakin, they share the same memories. There's a lot of similarities between them, obviously, because they are the same person. It's just kind of like a split personality thing. So I really liked that element of things. I thought the action scenes were written quite well. I really enjoyed hearing more about Thrawn. There is the criticism, which I've heard people like Styles explained, explore a little bit, which is in Zahn's Thrawn books, Thrawn is very much compassionate he doesn't want people to be harmed he doesn't want innocents to be killed he is very much about you know he does stuff for the empire to help with the chiss ascendancy but he is a good person he's just in the government and he's suiting his people's needs but in rebels he's much more ruthless and i know that in zahn's legends uh, trilogy he's a lot more ruthless as well he is like an out and out antagonist he is a very clever tactician he's a genius and him at his core is generally the same person it's just that in the canon thrawn trilogy he's a lot more compassionate he doesn't want to worry about you know uh, collateral damage he doesn't want innocents to be killed but there's scenes in rebels that do go against that um i think you can think around that i think in rebels you could think that as there's certain battles that he loses and he's not used to losing against these rebels he has to use alternate tactics you know winning becomes more important to him than losing innocence which to be fair after you know 10 years of fighting a war essentially i think i can understand that but i just want to voice that criticism and the understanding of that but yeah the writing of this book itself is brilliant as i said mark thompson does an excellent job of voicing all the people his vader did jar me a little bit to begin with because unlike vader in pretty much all other content there doesn't seem to be much voice modulation so you know normally you get the really you get obviously James Earl Jones voice and you get his very deep smooth voice along with the metallic uh, mods I'd say um, from Vader's suit you don't really get that with Mark Thompson obviously because he 
it's basically not possible to do that with one person's voice and although that the Star Wars audio dramas do have sound effects and music and things like that they don't do the voice modulation thing on Vader very much if they do they reduce the tone of it they make it lower but they don't do the same fancy stuff they do in like Rebels for example um, so I warn people if they're li going to listen to the audiobook it's a little bit jarring when you first hear it because it just sounds like a really 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 deep voice but then I found that I definitely got more used to it, especially a few chapters in, I was completely used to it. And Mark Thompson's Anakin sounds really good, and his Batman's all right. Um, but I really enjoyed that. Uh, Mark Thompson obviously is a fantastic voice actor. Uh, but back to the book Alliances itself. So I really did enjoy it. It's great fun. I'm very intrigued by the next book. I knew the general contents of Thrawn, Alliances, and Treason. I still know a little bit about Treason, but I knew quite a bit about Alliances because I listened to, I think Stars Explained do a video on it. I think I watched a few other YouTubers talk about the Thrawn trilogy because at the time I wasn't really fussed about listening to them or reading them. But because I've got Audible now and I listen to a lot of audiobooks, I have the time to consume some of the Star Wars canon and Legends content that I don't necessarily have time to read because most of my reading time is taken up by the High Republic. So, Alliances. The flashback parts and the way it works forward and back, it works very well. I think it's a well-written book. I think that it does feel long at points. I found the first Thrawn book did feel a bit long at points as well. There are certain story beats that seem to kind of go on a bit. I found that the flashbacks with Thrawn and Anakin were the more boring parts. I just found there were bits with Padme as well that just kind of felt like they went on. Uh, there's one bit where she's with a couple of locals and it felt like that chapter went on forever. It just... We get introduced these three people, and then she only really spends time with one of them. And I was like, I know it's lore, and we want to know more about the characters, but I was like, that it just felt like it was going on for ages. And I was like, come on, like we know what happens to Padme. So there's no dramatic tension. We know she's going to get out of this. I know that's not a reason just to skip over whole bits of plot, but I was just it, it. It kind of bored me a bit. Most most of the stuff with Padme was by herself. It just bored me. I think Padme is an alright character, but she's never really been one who's really connected with me. I think that she always works best when she's bouncing off other people. Obviously, her and Anakin work quite well together. But when we get some of the stuff in Clone Wars where she interacts with other characters, her and Jar Jar, I actually find quite interesting. And when she's with Obi Wan and people like that, I do really like that. But in this one, I just found the characters she was kind of bouncing off of were kind of boring. So that was an element I wasn't as much. Of fan of and then I, I found that the whole the, the plot takes place in the Clone Wars but it's at the tail end and this is a minor spoiler for the Clone Wars um, it's Clone Wars series 5 I think there's a minor spoiler for um, it's Ahsoka leaves the Jedi Order and stops being um, Anakin's Padawan it happens after that um, which I like that era but there's just a lot of Clone Wars stories and I'm not as interested by Anakin and Obi-Wan during the Clone Wars. I've, I think that we've had seven seasons of it, plus there's a Brotherhood book that's really good, there's the Dark Disciple book, which obviously was made up from uh, the script of uh, unused Clone Wars episodes as well, and it's written by Christy Golden, it's fantastic, and Obi-Wan's in that quite a bit. There is just, there's a lot of Clone Wars content, it's only a three-year period, we've had a lot of time with these characters, I'm just not quite as interested by them as anymore I, I want more i want more interaction you know but in the context of the story it really works out it works with a lot of things to do with thrawn and vader's relationship and obviously thrawn with anakin's so those are my general thoughts without spoiling too much there's your spoiler warning so i'm going to talk a bit more in depth about the plot even though we know exactly what happens to padme and anakin and thrawn but still uh, i will confirm i'm not going to spoil what happens at the end of rebels to clarify um or what happens in other thrawn stuff so this is just spoilers for thrawn alliances so 
basically Palpatine sends off um, Vader and Thrawn to go find this disturbance in the Force and find out what happens. And Thrawn basically finds out that it's to do with Force-sensitive Chiss children, because obviously he's the species Chiss, and they're generally uh, young girls who experience the force and then as they get older they lose their force touch in essence so that's kind of what the force is, that's kind of what the disturbance is but it also links with one of the big bads of the Thrawn trilogy I think it's going to be tackled more in treason and I believe it's part of the ascendancy trilogy and I suspect it might even become part of uh, Thrawn's upcoming appearances in live action it's the Grisk now the Grisk are yeah the Chiss's main enemy and stuff and we get a bit more information about them in alliances there's a lot of Vader talking to Thrawn about where do his true loyalties lie do they lie with the Chiss ascendancy or do they lie with the Empire and there's a lot of very clever stuff utilizing that that I found and a very a lot of good dialogue in that too now the Clone Wars stuff it's basically uh, Anakin secretly goes off to find Padme because she's been missing for a while because she's trying to find one of her handmaidens whose name completely escapes me at the moment. One little criticism I have is I looked it up and this handmaiden isn't mentioned elsewhere in the canon. I know you've got E.K. Johnston's Queen's trilogy which I'm going to delve into at some point but you you don't she's not mentioned in this this one handmaiden but apparently she's really close to Padme and they used to stay up late talking and stuff and I know that obviously any literature of big lore especially Star Wars when you write prequels you have to you know retcon stuff but not take things out you have to like retroactively add things in and I just think if you've got the Queen's trilogy with all these handmaidens and especially with some of the comics at the moment the Darth Vader 2020 run by Greg Pak there's no mention of this handmaiden at all but Padme talks about her like she's this really major part of her life and it's like well I feel like they should have really mentioned to E.K. Johnston just to add a line in there or, or something like that or even a line in here just saying like although Padme and this other one whose name escapes me has had a really close relationship they kept everything off the books they didn't tell anyone about it not even the other handmaidens I feel like a line of dialogue like that would have helped but this is just nitpicky stuff um, but yeah basically uh, Anakin goes off to find Padme because obviously she's disappeared um, and trying to find a handmaiden the handmaiden's wound up dead so they're trying to work out how and then Padme finds this like separatist base where they're mining Cortosis um, is it Cortosis? yeah um, and Cortosis is his saber the lightsaber resistant material and also it like dissipates the energy from a blaster so it's like really good metal for armour in some ways and would be good uh, against Jedi and Sith so she goes in this travel trying to find out what's going on around here, why a handmaiden wound up dead, and why the handmaiden kind of focused on this area and this planet that seems to be in the middle of nowhere. You get connections to Galaxy's Edge, which is really cool. They go to Batu and they go to Black Spire Outpost, which is really cool as well. Obviously, Galaxy's Edge being uh, both the slang term for that area, but also the Disney interactive part of Disney World and Disneyland. And also there's the Galaxy's Edge anthology series, and then there's the uh, book written by Delilah S. Dawson, which is, I think it's Black Spire Outpost, um, which I do actually really want to read but I've heard that if I read that I should read Phasma first because Phasma there's characters in Phasma that are in Black Spire Outposts and things and Phasma's before Black Spire so expect at some point in the next year or two me probably listening to Phasma and Black Spire Outposts and doing reviews on those but the I liked those elements I like some of the stuff around there but the, the the flashback story takes place really in like two places and there's not really room to go anywhere and although it is cool having these action set pieces and things, um, it is, you know, more droids being fought because it's like separatist stuff. And uh, there's a bit of an intrigue part. There's a clone trooper armor that's found, which I found interesting that had like some cortosis put into it. And obviously at the time, 
Anakin is just thinking, oh, this is because Dooku or Ever is trying to infiltrate the, the Jedi or the Republic or whatever. And then obviously Vader realizes after the fact that it was part of Palpatine's plan because of Order 66 and etc. And Thrawn kind of figures out something is amiss, which I do quite enjoy. Um, right towards the end, he says to Padme and Anakin, he's like, just so you know, I don't think it's due to infiltration or anything. I actually think it's something more. So you might want to look into that a bit more. And obviously Anakin and Padme are like, oh, it couldn't be anything else, you know. And then after Order 66, etc., Vader realizes it. So I like that element of things. Another major part of this is Thrawn figures out that Anakin and Vader are one in the same. He does keep like hinting at it to Vader, and Vader keeps kind of deflecting it. But there are moments where Thrawn literally says, "This is very clearly the same person." You know, there's certain battle tactics they use. There's certain things they do that are very similar. And Thrawn keeps mentioning, "Oh yeah, when we did that thing, obviously." And Vader's like, "I was never at that thing." And Thrawn's like. Oh yeah, sorry, I misspoke. He does that quite a lot, which I quite enjoy. But trying to summarise this plot is quite hard because there's a lot of dialogue and a lot of stuff, but the, the plot is... I wouldn't say thin. I think that would be disrespectful to Timothy Zorn. Uh, Zorn I keep, I've pronounced his surname differently like three or four times now. But the plot is quite simple at its core. It's not that complicated. It adds... There's, there's layers to it. I think the, the time that... It, the stuff that occurs during the Galactic Empire as opposed to the Clone Wars is a bit more complicated. But... It's still, I really like watching Thrawn and Vader kind of clash a little bit because Vader's not used to people questioning his authority. Vader's used to using fear, whereas Thrawn kind of uses praise and adoration for his subordinates. And also Palps says to Vader and Thrawn, Thrawn's a strategist, he's kind of in charge, but Vader, you explore the, uh, you explore what's this disturbance in the force. So I really like their dynamic. I like seeing their dynamic with Anakin and with Vader. So I really like Thrawn's uh, dynamic with Anakin and then seeing how it evolves with Vader and how Vader kind of realizes a lot of these things. I like the flashbacky bits, even though I do find it is a bit, not quite tropey, but you know, going back and forth sometimes jars a little bit. And I did find a lot of the Padme stuff was just a bit boring, to be fair. Um, but aside from it being a little bit long, I found even though it is shorter than the first Thrawn book, I, I just quite like Eli Vanto. I think that's one of the main draws people loved about the first Thrawn book is Eli Vanto is quite charming. He's quite an interesting human character that one likes. Whereas Thrawn is like this super genius um, who I appear, he appears to be, I think he's neurodivergent at the time. He seems to be on the autistic spectrum. And I think that's meant to be uh, confirmed. He's not very social. He's not very good at social things. So Eli Vanto's kind of that human element for Thrawn, in a sense. Not saying people who are neurodivergent or autistic or anything like that aren't human, but, you know, a, a more standard everyman, in a way, is Eli Vanto. He's like this country bumpkin, in a way. The way that uh, Mark Thompson voices him, this kind of southerner, and he's from this, like, outer rim world and things. He's just... He's kind of seen as an outsider, and he's perceived as stupid when he's not, whereas Thrawn is, you know, like a super genius. So I really, really liked... Thrawn um, in alliances. I like the action scenes. I found that the way some of the stormtroopers perceive Thrawn, one of the leaders of one of the legions, I think it's the, it's not the first, is it the first legion? It's something like the first legion, but it's one of Vader's like right hand legions. I quite like that, and I quite like some of the political intrigue of Thrawn being torn with his alliances between the Empire and the Chiss, and Vader picking him up on that. And I quite like the use of Cortosis and being lightsaber resistant and blaster resistant. All that stuff was cool, but I just found that the Clone Wars flashbacky stuff was just a bit weaker. I, I just found it wasn't as thrilling. I wasn't really that in, interested by it. The way it ends with Anakin blowing up the mines and messing things up, I did quite like that element. I didn't 
I enjoyed it because it felt like there was weight to stuff, but I also wasn't really sure what it was meant to be. I think I think it's meant to be hinting that it's confirming further Anakin's utilitarian mindset, where the greater good kill, destroy loads of people's livelihood, and potentially even kill people for the good of the Republic, for the good. Obviously, it transforms into the good of the Empire. So I think that's what it's hinting at, and like Padme has a little internal thought about collateral damage and stuff, and I think that's kind of showing her towards uh, Revenge of the Sith becoming more disenfranchised and uh, kind of distancing herself from the Republic a bit more, whereas Anakin's going more and more into it because of the war and stuff. I think that's what they were getting at, but I didn't find that part overly clear. But I enjoyed both the books. I think they're good. I don't think they're must-reads. I'm reading them because of Thrawn's upcoming uh, live-action appearance, and I think that the the books are going to lean into that a little bit. A lot of people wanting Eli Vanto to pop up, so hopefully that can be done. And I just wanted to know a bit more about Thrawn, especially when we do the weekly watch-along shows for um, some of the upcoming shows, that I want to have a bit more information. You know, it's Being a Star Wars fan, especially one of the canon, one of the first things people ask me is, have you read the Thrawn trilogies? It's like, no, no, I haven't. Oh, you like Star Wars, even if they don't know about the canon and stuff. Oh, have you read Enter the Empire? No, I haven't. So I'm trying to read all the big hitters so that uh, I... I can expand my canon and legends knowledge, really. But yeah, I think that's more or less all I have to say um, about the plots and my thoughts of it all. As I said, I did enjoy them. I I thought Thrawn and Thrawn Alliances were good. I'm very interested by Thrawn Treason, even just the name itself. And I know that Thrawn Treason takes place around the time in uh, Star Wars Rebels, where Thrawn goes away for a few episodes and kind of does this other stuff. And I think it leans into that and shows what he was kind of doing. So I'm very interested to see what all happens there. And then when I finish Thrawn Treason, I think I'm going to delve into the Heir to the Empire trilogy, uh, the Legends one. So, all very exciting stuff. But friends, please, tell me what you thought of Thrawn the book. Did you read the comic adaptation? Did you just listen to my episode about it? Have you read the Thrawn trilogy? Did you read Heir to the Empire trilogy? Have you read the Ascendancy trilogy? I'm very excited to delve into the Ascendancy trilogy, but the only reason I'm prioritising the Legends trilogy is because I have a feeling the upcoming stuff with Thrawn is going to link more with the Legends Ed to the Empire trilogy than it is with the Canon Ascendancy trilogy, and also the Ascendancy audiobooks. The first two audiobooks is like 16-ish hours, which is fairly standard for slightly longer Star Wars audio content. There's quite a few other audiobooks, some of the High Republic stuff that's 13 to 16 hours. But the last Ascendancy book is a 23-hour, I think it's almost more than 23 hours, 23-hour-long audiobook, which is a whole day of listening, uh, which I don't just sit there and listen to audiobooks. I do it while commuting or doing chores and things like that. So that's the only reason I'm not prioritising the Ascendancy trilogy over the Heir to the Empire trilogy, as well as the potential uh, connections in the canon. But friends, thank you so much. As always, please tell me your thoughts on Thrawn, his live-action appearance, his legend stuff, and all the books and whatnot, and tell me your thoughts. Any Patreons who've heard this before the normies <laughs> no offense to the normies but the patrons please let me know what you thought of this and then to all the people who are probably going to hear this months after it gets released uh, i appreciate you listening as always follow me on social media at genuine chit chat and check out my other content friends thank you again i'll speak to you very soon and as always may the force be with you <laughs>